1: A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper, he'll call to the place, he'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is, the kick is up, the kick is good! Auburn wins! 22-19! What's going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today Podcast. As always, my name is Noble, I'm joined here with my co-host Wheeler. Today, we just have a quick kind of emergency podcast after the breaking news that came out a little earlier today that Brian Harsin would be retained as Auburn football's head coach. Um, this is kind of something that's been going on for right, a, right about in a week. Been a lot of speculation, a lot of rumors flying around, but you know, this podcast is kind of meant to hopefully separate the fact from the fiction, give you guys the facts, give you guys some analysis and kind of where Auburn is at right now with the whole situation. So the news came out uh, this morning that Brian Harson would be retained. The Auburn university staff and school in a, you know, released a public statement. Brian Harson released a public statement. And there's also currently as we speak, a meeting going on with the team where they're kind of essentially telling them that he is staying and whatever, but. The statement from Auburn University from Auburn President Jay Gooch is a little long. If you want to hear the whole statement, it's been posted onto my Instagram story, which is at underscore Auburn today. Uh, these two kind of the, the highlights were tweeted by Cole Kublik said, I am pleased to report the evaluation of concerns raised raised regarding our football program is complete. I'm equally pleased to confirm that Brian Harson remains our head football coach. Specific to Coach Harson, he was completely cooperative throughout this inquiry and is equally eager to consider and address any identified issues head on. So that was kind of what Jay Goosh was saying. And then Brian Harson, a couple seconds later, released his own statement that read, This has been one of the hardest weeks of my career, and it had nothing to do with my coaching ability. The personal attacks on me and my family went too far and were without justification. Their resolve through this experience has been incredible, but also completely expected. We saw and felt the worst of the worst in some people. Fortunately, we also saw the best of the best in others, and we will always be grateful for the support of so many through a very difficult time. Our players, staff, the Auburn family, and many others. I know who I am as a husband, father, and football coach, and cooperated fully throughout this process. I believe that every challenge in life is an opportunity to grow and learn. This is no different. Every day we're not moving together is a step in the wrong direction. In order for us to take the Auburn football program where we all want it to go, we must at all levels commit to each other and this great university that we all love. I'm confident we can get there under the leadership of Dr. Goosh, incoming President Roberts, Alan Green, and our Board of Trustees. I'm proud to be your head coach and appreciate the opportunity to lead the incredible group of young men in our locker room, War Eagle. So when you read that, you kind of get the sense of – Brian Harson is essentially saying this was all BS, there was nothing wrong with me, and is kind of claiming that it was a bit of a witch hunt. But Wheeler, I'm I'm interested to hear hear your thoughts. Those are kind of the facts. And essentially what what I believe just kind of a just kind of a clarification of the timeline is last, you know, when Brian Harson was fired, there seemed to be some donors that didn't really, you know, didn't really want him here. Throughout the season, those thoughts didn't really change. They saw that they had an opportunity to try and get rid of them. They jumped. Rumors started circulating about a potential affair that multiple sources have kind of indicated that wasn't true. Multiple sources just kind of, multiple different rumors were coming out about all kinds of different things about his program, whether he was verbally abusive, race problems, all that. None of them really stuck. And then you see that the donors that want him fired they're they're negotiating with him. They're trying to get him, they're trying to get him fired with cause. When it kind of starts looking like they can't get him fired with cause, they start negotiating for a potential reduced buyout. And Brian Harston stands his ground and says that if they're gonna fire him, they have to pay him the full 18.3 million dollars that his buyout includes. And it was kind of who's gonna flinch first. And it looks like Auburn flinched. Brian Harson's retained, keeps his money, keeps his job, and You look at it and you're kind of like, it's a little confusing because last year at the same, I mean, in the same situation, really, the donors and the board, they wanted Gus Malzahn gone. Gus Malzahn had a larger buyout than Brian Harsin. There was no cause for him to be fired to not pay his buyout. It was a bigger buyout and the donors pulled the trigger. And Gus Malzahn as a person is someone who the donors would like more. Gus Malzahn had more transparency with his program. He allowed more people to watch practices and know more about the, the football program. And Gus Malzahn is honestly, I mean, a fairly more likable person than Brian Harson If you look at it from the perspective of the donors and the board. So this, this week doesn't really make a lot of sense if you ask me, but Wheeler, I'm, I'm interested to hear your thoughts and just kind of give us your analysis of how the situation played out and how Auburn can recover from this and how Brian Harson specifically can recover from this kind of slander on his name and his image.
0: Well, it appears that the truth was somewhere in the middle, as it typically is. So, like we said on the last podcast, what probably happened is you have guys going in their exit interviews. You have a mass exodus of transfer portal guys as is typical after a first year under a new head coach, that's completely changing the culture. You have an offensive coordinator that is fired and you have a defensive coordinator that leaves to take a $400,000 pay cut. You listen to these interviews. They say concerning things. Oftentimes they're saying things because they're mad, right? Like they're, and like we saw with Lee Hunter, he said they treated us like dogs. Okay, so as we said in the initial emergency podcast, that may be something that Lee Hunter doesn't understand the consequences of saying I was treated like a dog. Like, that is a very serious accusation to levy against somebody. So Auburn decides we're going to do an investigation. Then the Internet picks up all these rumors that Auburn football is doing an investigation and rumors start flying that he has an affair with this woman or you know, he was abusive or, you know, I mean, we all saw all of the rumors. None of that turned out to be true. Do I think that Brian Harsin was completely, you know, a likable guy and that it's just a total witch hunt and they were mad that he went six and seven? No, I think that the guy was a little bit of a jerk uh, to a lot of people, which, you know, if you go and you read Boise State message boards and kind of Reddit posts from Boise people, he, he rubs people the wrong way sometimes. He's a very abrasive person. So is Nick Saban. So is Kirby Smart. They just win. So that's the deal. I mean, the guy's not winning right now, so the, the boosters were not happy, and they thought, man, if we can get rid of this guy for calls, then, yeah, they were going to get rid of him, Especially even if the calls was not a strong calls. Once they realized they couldn't get him for calls, he's not, it, it's not worth paying him off to go away because you run out of money at some point, like we mentioned about going and using this money for NIL deals or something else that's more beneficial for the program. So that being said, I don't know that it was a total witch hunt by the boosters. I really don't think that that's the case. I I think that it was a rumor that got out of hand. Auburn looked at firing him. They ended up deciding, look, we don't have cause to fire him, so we're going to keep him. So how do we move forward from this? So I've already seen an encouraging sign. So the first encouraging sign that I saw was Bruce Pearl finally making a comment on this. Now everybody's saying, oh, well, what's Bruce going to say? Like, oh, I wish Brian had gotten fired. Well, no, but Bruce doesn't have to come out and make a statement about what's happening with the football team in the middle of his basketball season. So Bruce is clearly... I felt like that was an olive branch from Bruce to to Brian, saying, "Look, man, when football is good, it makes basketball easier to recruit for. When basketball is good, it makes football better. Let's make this place great together." And that's coming from a guy. It it almost felt like Brian Harson got, you know, kicked out of the Auburn family for about a week, and that was the olive branch from the guy that is firmly in the Auburn family and Bruce Pearl saying, "Hey." We're with you. We're going to support you while you're here. I think that that was a great thing. And I think that behind the scenes, Bruce Pearl understands how important it is to have a strong football foundation at Auburn. Because at the end of the day, we are in everything school, like he says, but you're really a football school. And if Auburn football is bad, the fan base is ticked off. And if basketball, you know, is being counted on to do well, you know, that puts Bruce in a tougher situation. So he wants everybody to succeed. And I think he knows Brian Harson more personally than just about anybody, you know, that's not affiliated with the football program directly. And he's willing to, you know, extend the olive branch. So I think Auburn fans need to come together. They're, I've I've been very surprised by. It still seems like the fan base is divided by people that wish that he had done something wrong and got fired for calls, and the people that are like. Brian Orson is the greatest coach of all time right now. Like, he finally stood up to the board. And I just don't – I do applaud the guy for not quitting and for sticking it out with his job and saying, hey, I brought in all these guys to be on my football team, and I'm not just going to abandon them. But also, the reality is he's going to have to win some football games this year. And it's like we said earlier. He has a great chance to have a good season this season. The problem is going to be recruiting. Because if he has all of this junk being thrown at him, it is going to be so hard to recruit unless he has a successful season and the Auburn fan base gets behind him. That being said, I do think that this is going to help the team in the long run because really, like, if you didn't transfer out after this week, unless something happens in spring practice and it becomes apparent, I'm never going to play, and you're going somewhere just so that you can get on the football field, which is going to happen. But and so people don't need to panic if, you know, four guys transfer out after spring. It's not that, oh, Brian Harson's back to being a jerk. No, like that that's gonna happen in every spring camp this season because guys are gonna see I'm not gonna play, I'm gonna go somewhere where I can play. So I think it just it ups the ante of importance for Brian Harson to improve the football product on the field this year. And it's like we mentioned before all of this blew up, Brian Harson needs to do some more PR stuff with the people of Auburn. And I think tomorrow really starts where he can do something. If he lets the opportunity just fade away tomorrow and he doesn't show up at the basketball game or doesn't try and do something with the students, like, he's missing an opportunity. And I understand that it's tough, like he's had a tough week, but like, you gotta capitalize because this is probably the most bought in people have been to Brian Harson since he's been at Auburn. The people that are bought into him, the people that aren't bought into him are no less bought into him after this situation than they were, you know, before all this news broke last week or when he first got hired. So I don't think he's lost any support from Auburn fans. If anything, he's gained support from Auburn fans.
1: Yeah, and I I think that he's in a spot where he he's got a lot of guys that are fiercely loyal to him. And he's, but he also has some, and I think he has some players that are bought in enough that they're not going anywhere. But I, I think that he still has something to prove with both the fans, the board, and his own players. And yes, like tomorrow is, I think, one of the biggest, one of the most important days for Brian Harson. If he is front row in the student section with Derek Call and Jalen Simpson and Desmond Tisdall and Kyle Vacarella, the guys that have been, you know, kind of the, the football representatives for the basketball games you know they've been they've been painting up they've been you know big time if he goes for them and he's standing next to them and he is you know being personable like getting people excited like that's something that's gonna it's gonna help him and it's gonna help the students make you know it makes him more personable it makes them like him and if he can get those PR stunts in there while he's riding the momentum of people liking him you know And that's the thing. You got to ride the momentum while there is momentum. Because like you said, after spring, there are going to be some people transferring. And it's difficult for perception of your program to get better in a spring because nobody watches A-Day and is like, oh, my gosh, we're going to be so good. Like everyone's like, "Okay, it's practice and it's practice, it's practice, it's practice. The way that perception works is through the transfer portal after spring. You're going to lose some guys. Now, if you can bring some guys in, bring some names in that excite people more so than the names that left, then you can keep it where it is. And the momentum that you gain from here to April can be really important going into the fall. Now, with that being said, his buyout goes down to 12 or 13 million at the end of next season. If he wins seven or eight games, I think he's gone. Because the donors, there are a lot of donors that aren't happy that he's still here. And... If he wins, I think that he has to win nine games. I think he has to win at least nine games to remain the coach and have a respectable recruiting class. Now, if he wins eight games and has a top ten recruiting class, it might be a little different. But Brian Horson is not going to have the time that most head coach, most first-year head coaches deserve, and that's just, that's just the fact of the matter. He has a talented enough team to win nine games. This isn't the kind of case where it was like, you know, you look at – you look at other years where the talent just isn't there, you know? Like, that, that's not the case. Last year was not the case. The, the talent on last year's team was better than six wins, was better than seven wins, was better than eight wins. Like, the talent on this team is good enough to win nine games, so Brian Harson has to win nine games. Because the thing is, the donors and the board, they're not stupid people. Like, they know and they have been around Auburn to see what a good Auburn football team looks like. And if they see a team that talent-wise is similar to 2017 and 2019, they're going to expect in the same atmosphere of 2019 and 2017 results. Now, if you have a team like that and you're like 2016 or 2015 where you underperformed with a more talented team, it really looks bad. And if you don't really have anything to look back to, and the only thing, like the most notable part of your career has been a scandal that, and just a dark cloud that lasted over the program for a week, it's a really bad look. So Brian Harson has to win at least nine games this season unless something drastically changes. He has – I mean, the, he is on the clock. He has a lot of work to do. But it's good for him that he has gotten – he has more people in his corner. And I think the players are going to be more in his corner than they were because you've seen a lot of people – like a lot of players have come out – You know, Derek Hall and Keontae Scott and Jeffrey Emba all took to Twitter right after the, you know, news broke. So they're all in his corner. And, you know, they're gonna be like, they're working for themselves, but they also like they like their head coach and they know that their head coach has to have results if he wants to stay there. And so they're gonna be working just as hard for Harson so that he can stay, more so than just trying to get theirs. So I think that this is a very unique situation. And Brian Harson has a lot, a lot of work to do. This, this news just makes it even harder for his job. But I think that Brian Harson's up to the challenge and he's going to step up to the plate and we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, I think that it's just a, the kind of a situation. There's just a lot of moving parts and you're going to see that you're going to look back on February 11th and you're just going to say, all right, that was the make or break moment for Brian Harson," and it's going to be If he is able to use this momentum to help his perception and he puts up a good season, puts up a good recruiting class, then all of a sudden it could be a story for one of the best coaches Auburn's ever had. But if this happens and he goes into next season, he wins eight games and has an average recruiting class and gets fired, and you could look at this day and be like, this was the moment that it sent Auburn football back five years and it just really, really hurt the program. So – it's kind of a it's kind of an interesting thing that this could be, I th- and obviously this could be a bit of an exaggeration, but I think this could be one of the most important days Auburn football has ever had.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I agree. And the and the question really is: is this one of the most important days in a good way or in a bad way? Um, but it really did it it galvanized a lot of fans that were unsure about Harson. And we talked about a couple weeks ago how he, he was going to the basketball games and stuff and trying to ride the momentum train that he didn't have. This would be the first week that he has that train of momentum mm-hmm. where there's not going to be people in the stadium that actively boo him. You know, like nobody hates him that bad that they're going to actively boo him. But the people that love him, I mean, love him. And so – Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he tries to capitalize on this or if he just kind of goes deeper into his all-about-the-football shell.
1: Yeah, and you look at, you know, in week one, you know, really week one and two after Auburn beat the brains out of Akron and beat the brains out of Alabama State, Carson would come to the corner in the student section. He would applaud everybody because he didn't really, you know, this we talked about this a few months ago. I don't think he really understood what block seating was. And he didn't really understand that those people can't really leave or they get in trouble. So he was just thinking that they all just were that bought in. And so he goes to thank everybody for staying, and the whole student st- section starts chanting Harson, And that's like – like he beat a bad team that we were expected to run, and he ran them. Like it wasn't necessarily that everyone was like, oh, my gosh, this guy's the best coach ever. But if people were excited, they were excited that football was there, they were excited that we just won, and they are like, oh, my gosh, I'm just going to start chanting Harson. And then it just breaks out. But that's kind of the same thing that's going to happen tomorrow. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that when Brian Harson gets put on the Jumbotron, like, there is no doubt in my mind that Brian Harson will be at the game tomorrow. And if he's not, I will just, I mean, it's just an ultimate facepalm moment of, bro, you will just hurt. fumbled the bag so bad. But when he goes on the Jumbotron, I fully expect the crowd to erupt and people to start chanting Harson or people start chanting something. But it's going to be it's going to be an atmosphere where he has momentum. And I think that that is something where it's like, you don't necessarily have to be all in on the guy. And it's, you don't have to necessarily have to be all in on the guy to be part of the momentum that he can ride, you know? And also Keontae Scott, he tweeted out today. He said, you're either with us or against us. Pick a side. And I think that's kind of what a lot of Auburn fans had to do in this moment. And in this week, it was kind of, all right, you got to pick a side. And especially now it's like, okay. Are you for the guy and you want him to stay? Or are you against the guy and you don't want him to stay? So now the decision's been made, but people still have – I mean, people's brains, if, you're, if you've been bought into Auburn football and you've been following this situation, your mind has been going all around the place, but eventually you settled on a decision. And that decision's not just going to change because Brian Harson got kept. So all of a sudden you have some people that want him to stay and are happy that he's staying, but you have some fans that – didn't want him to stay. And now Brian Harson has to prove to you that he should that he should be the guy that's staying. So I think that it's just he's got a lot to do. But I, I'm I'm really interested to see how he bounces back from it and how kind of the the fan base as a whole, if he has the majority of them, you know, because it's it's tough to see on on Twitter and Instagram and all that, it's tough to see where the majority lies. But I'd, I'd really be interested to see where the majority of Auburn fans are feeling in this situation.
0: Yeah. Uh, I would say that most people are still indifferent towards him and earn. You know, I, I don't think – I think that there are extremes on both sides of the people that love him and the people that hate him. But I still think that the majority of Auburn fans are just like, gosh, this was an embarrassing situation, and I don't even know if this coach was worth it. Like, if I had to guess where most Auburn fans are, that's that's kind of where I would say they are. And honestly, uh, well, I wouldn't say I'm exactly in the middle. I think I'm further on the Harsin side of the middle. I don't, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if the guy's a great coach. I I think he is. I think he says all the right things. I think that you know, his actions through this entire investigation kind of line up with the mentality that he's been preaching. And I think that the team leaders have done a fantastic job keeping this team together, and I think that that came from his leadership, you know? I mean, a report came out talking about how winter workouts have been just, like, off the charts intense this past week and that they've all just been grinding together. Like, they were doing that because they were ticked off that their coach was being messed with. so. Yeah, I mean, I I'm on I'm on Harson's side, but I'm not gonna be. You know, you're seeing the people on Twitter now that are like, "This was Harson's saving moment," and I'm like, "Okay, let's." I don't know that he's that good of a coach. Let's win seven at games. This point, I would take an average to above average coach, because Auburn is a good enough program, and with the new football only facility they're building, that an average coach is going to be able to get you to nine wins, and then you know have you in playoff contention every four to five years. And that that's what Auburn is like. It's hard to find great coaches. And if you looked at the list that people were putting out, you know, when we all thought Brian Harson was getting fired, there were no great coaches on there. Like the report came out today. If Brian Harson is terminated, the two top targets are going to be Jeff Grimes and Hugh Freeze. Okay. Hugh Freeze is a buzz name. But you look at what he did at Old Miss. He's Gus with baggage. We've said that on the pod before. He's Gus with baggage.
1: At a worse school though. At a worse school.
0: Yeah, but he had a worse record than Gus too. And so that's I'm fair. giving him I mean, yeah, he beat Alabama a couple times, but like I would say that their performance were proportional given the school he was at, you know, that's like fair. So yeah, That's fair. I would say that they're they the same level of coach. Like you're not yes. going to become Clemson With Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze isn't going to be Dabo. All right, Jeff Grimes. What? Like, seriously? That's the best we can come up with? No, he's not going to be a dynamic head coach. Like, that's just... No. There's a reason why he hasn't been a head coach yet. There's a reason. Everybody wants to have all of these great ideas, but I'm like, there is a reason stuff doesn't happen. There are literally... What, the SEC has 14 schools in it? All right. So, if that's just the average size, there's over 60 Power Five schools. And if they're all multi millionaire, you know, multi million corporations, and if they can't figure out the next great head coach that's 60 years old, like Jeff Grimes, then like Twitter can't either. Jeff Grimes would have been a placeholder. I mean he's not going to wreck your program but he's not going to take you to the national championship either. At least with Harson you still got the wild card. Like and the thing is everybody says, you know, Harson staying could put Auburn's program back years and years. He hasn't put any program that he's been at in his career back years. Like he didn't take Boise State down from where they were. Chris Peterson did not everybody remembers the Chris Peterson that went and beat Oklahoma. Brian Harson kept Boise State where it was. Now you could argue that Gus left Auburn in a bad spot and that Harson will just keep them in that same spot. But I don't think he's going to just tank the program. So keeping him is not the worst thing that could have happened.
1: Yeah, I agree, but I think I think that if you look at if you look at Brian Harson's biggest thing is an extended stay at Boise, but like you said, he took over an extremely successful program that Chris Peterson left behind. Whereas if you look at what he inherited from Auburn, really inheriting Auburn in 2020 was the worst year under Gus you could have inherited it. I mean, like, and Gus inherited a horrible, like, kudos. I mean, it really, kudos to Gus. He inherited a bad program in 2012. It was a team that literally just gave up halfway through the year. And literally just gave up halfway through the season. And Gus turned him into a team that could have won a national championship within one year. And then 2014, program was still in a good spot. 2015, it was a disappointing year. And then 2016, went to a New Year's Six game. And yeah, it still wasn't a great record. But it was like, when you look at every year under Gus, except for 2020, there really wasn't a year where he just left the program in a horrible spot. And if someone had stepped in, it's like, oh, you have your work to do. Now, in 2020, it was like, okay, you've got your work cut out for you. And so Harson comes in, and it's like you see – you see, it's like results-wise, he kept us where we were. But if you look – try and look deeper, there were things that changed, but you don't really – you haven't really seen the results. So I agree with you that, you know, that there's potential that Harson could just keep us where we are, and that's just the kind of coach that he is, that he can inherit a program – at any level, and keep it where it is. But the problem is, if Auburn's not there, that if Auburn's not where we want to be, then he might not be the right coach.
0: What if I told you that Brian Harsin, though, was not a six and seven coach because coaching wise, he coached much better than the team's record indicated, solely because the quarterback broke their le- like starting yeah. quarterback broke his leg. And to a credit to the man, he brought in a quarterback that he was hopeful could be an adequate backup. I mean, he went and got a former SEC starter to be his backup quarterback in the event that that happened. Yeah. So he has the mentality of the 10-win coach. He said, I need a quality backup. He went out and got a guy who,
1: I mean. The best backup backup available in the transfer portal.
0: Exactly. He got the best guy that you could have gotten. That was not going to be a starter, that was willing to go somewhere that he was not going to be the starter. So that should be a check mark. Nobody talks about that. Nobody talks about what a great move that was because it ended up not working out. Okay. But that was, he went and got the best, and the best just wasn't good enough. Okay. So then you got the Mississippi State game. They got a game plan that they were up huge at halftime. And then the defensive coordinator, who eventually left, but people are all up in arms that he left now, just absolutely crapped the bed in the second half. I mean, just a horrible game plan and stuck with the exact same game plan of rushing three men while he got carved. I mean, just annihilated. Okay. Texas A&M game. It wasn't a coaching problem of what Harson did. Like, it was not... The plays were there. Bo Nix, first of all, couldn't hit his open receivers that day. When he did hit them, they couldn't catch. And then Bo just absolutely went madman and fumbled the ball t- twice inexplicably by not getting hit. That's not coaching. Like no quarterback coach teaches somebody to fumble the ball. So you can't blame you can't blame him for that. I don't know. I just. I think that he's really being treated unfairly because of the perception going in and a lot of bad breaks that he did not create himself. Now, you can argue that the Penn State game was a bad break that he created himself. He ran a trick play. Okay, he ran a trick play to a former quarterback to go and play quarterback, and the dude, again, fumbled the football, just running. Nobody touched him. Now, you can say he threw a fade pass on the goal line when he had Tank Bigsby. Well, he fired that offensive coordinator who tended to do stuff like that. So every time that there's something that happened, there's a rational explanation that's not coaching. It's players not executing and not, it's not like they're not executing skills that should be taught. Like you shouldn't have to teach the guy how to not fumble when he runs and no one touches him you don't. There's not a drill for that. What what drill could a coach possibly do that guy is fumbling when he's not touched? That's just fundamental, being a human. You know, like should he have them all go work at Acre for a week during the off season and learn how to carry a tray without dropping it? And maybe there's some real consequences if you drop it because you drop a several hundred dollar meal. <laughs> like, what do you want the man to do? There's nothing he can do to teach that. And so you, you have legit two games that were lost by people just dropping the football that had it in their hands with two hands on it. they just, bah, <laughs> I dropped it. And how much different is the season if you beat Penn State, you beat Texas A&M, Bo Nix doesn't break his leg. None of, the, none of those were coaching problems. He took Alabama to quadruple overtime with a horrible team. Noble, literally, I think Auburn High School had as good of a shot to score as many points as Auburn University did in that game. Like, there, we knew there was absolutely no hope.
1: Yeah, and I, I, think, I think when you look at it, if you look at our season, like you said, Penn State, if Kobe Hudson doesn't fumble, and we've talked about all these games a lot, but if Kobe Hudson doesn't fumble it, all of a sudden, you know, there's potential that he scores on that play. Like, legit, if you look at it from from the angle that Kobe had, if he doesn't fumble it, there's legitimate potential that he scores on that play. So if he scores on that play, get something going. If you could, you know, muster a win in Happy Valley. And let's say, even if you don't, the Georgia game, I mean, Georgia won the national championship, and if we catch the ball, we lose by, if we just catch all the passes seven. that hit the hands and were dropped, we lose by 7, 10, 14-ish. But national champion, like, you don't expect anyone to beat the team that won the national championship. Okay.
0: Convincingly, too.
1: Yeah, I mean exactly. Hammered Alabama in the national championship. And then, like you said, Texas A&M. Like, Texas A&M, I, I think everyone thought it was execution. I mean, I, I personally, I thought that the problem was execution in that game. Mississippi State, the defense. I mean, the defensive scheme was just terrible in the second half. South Carolina, if Bo Nix doesn't, and if Bo Nix doesn't break his leg, we beat South Carolina and Alabama. We do. And so, all of a sudden, that's two wins at least that that, that really aren't super crazy to think that Auburn would have, you know? Like, Georgia and Texas A&M, you've got a couple if ands, or buts. Penn State, you know, it's, it's kind of a sus one. South Carolina and Alabama, I really don't think that you, you can make a legitimate argument that if Auburn had their starting quarterback, they still would have lost that game. And the offense still would have been as absolutely atrocious as it was. And so, yeah, the games could have been – they could have been a little bit better, and I do agree that the record looks worse than, it, than the situations really were, but at the end of the day, the record is the record. And so, that the record at the end of the day is indicative on the head coach. And it doesn't really matter if, if you go two or three seasons down the road, you have three underperforming seasons. At the end of the day, you look at who's in charge. Now, one season, you can say, okay, let's look at these games and see what was going on. But if it becomes a trend, that's when you look at, okay, who's at the head and why is this a consistent problem? And so, obviously, we haven't gotten there yet. And so, we just have I – and mean, we got to wait. But I do – I think that what you said about T.J. Finley was a really good point, that Brian Harsin made some moves that were winning moves. And if T.J. – if TJ comes in and we beat South Carolina and he wins the iron bowl, like all of a sudden people are like, okay, that move was great. And that, that, that was the smartest move ever. TJ Finley is an Auburn legend for coming in as the backup and beating Alabama, but it doesn't happen. We lose in quadruple overtime, which any game, if you lose a game in quadruple overtime, like you, you had, you had a great chance to win and it just didn't happen. But, T.J. Finley was that close, and it was that close to being a situation where we would have looked back on it for years to come, and it would have been like when Patrick Nix came in, when Stan White tore his ACL and beat Alabama. And it would have been a legendary story that people tell their kids all growing up, but it wasn't like that. So there's just a couple things that it's like if something just barely changed, we'd be having a much different conversation. But that's not what happened. And so going in, you know, Brian Harson has a lot of work, but also I think that if he can replicate what he had going last season before it all fell apart, I think that we'll be okay. And that's why I think that this team will do – I think that this team will have a better record than anyone thinks because the talent is there and I think the coaching is there and you just have to not have – the most unfortunate circumstances happen to your team. But, and then another thing, and yeah, you, you can, you can go, you can go.
0: And the opposite happens. You also can't look at a year that turns out really great where the ball bounced your way every year and say, Oh, that guy's a great coach. Like you cannot judge a coach off of one season where everything happens. Just like Gene Chizik's team in 2010 had the ball. I mean, legitimately think about the Iron Bowl that ball that got knocked out of Mark Ingram's hand tied the sideline for 20 yards and went out of physics that's what I'm saying like the line between going and winning the national championship and losing in the Birmingham Bowl can sometimes I mean it's not always this way but I mean really the 2010 season you also had a play where Cam Newton is diving out of bounds and hits a wide open guy, or not even a wide, a guy in traffic against Kentucky. You hit a Hail Mary against South Carolina when it's only a seven-point lead going into halftime. Okay. You have the Clemson kick set to the a- prayer Jordan hair for Gus. The difference in Mean Gene's greatest season and Gus's greatest season and Brian's is that Kobe fumbled. Bo fumbled. Bo broke his leg. Like, those guys, the the seasons that those guys had that were bad, were bad, bad. Like, it it wasn't a, oh, man, the ball bounced the wrong way this one time. Like, if if they had just, like, had this one lucky thing happen, they would have won. They got curb stomped in these games. I mean, Gus lost an Iron Bowl over in Tuscaloosa. We got five interceptions on them and lost by four touchdowns. Like that's getting curb stomped. I mean you are getting <laughs> you are so far inferior to a team if you get 5 interceptions and still lose by 20 something points. Like that's horrible. That's 5
1: turnovers. But okay, well, same same point. Same yeah. thing. So well, yeah. Getting... Yeah, and to, to add to that point you know like that Clemson game like we lose that game if not for or we probably lose that game if not for a snapping fraction that nobody in the stadium had ever heard of at the time. And it was a play that just kind of bailed us. Auburn ends up winning that game. South Carolina was a close game. Mississippi State was a three-point game. Kentucky was a three-point game. LSU, if Ontario McCaleb doesn't run 75 yards to win the game, that game could have ended up a lot differently. Alabama, we probably should have lost if that ball doesn't roll 30 yards without rolling out like like Alabama fans look at that and that is one of like it's not like Alabama fans that really know Alabama football when they're talking about how, Oh, God's an Auburn fan. A lot of the time they don't point to They don't point to the kick six. They don't point to some, they point to that play because they're like that Alabama had everything going for them and a fumble and the ball just rolled like footballs don't do that. They're, they're designed to not do that. And it just rolled perfectly. And so it was, you know, and we've talked about it. I think a, uh, couple months ago we had a we had a segment we talked about the twenty nineteen team and we literally outlined three plays that make Auburn go undefeated that season. And that Auburn didn't go undefeated that season. We lost three games in the regular season. So it's like you said football especially is a game that if you can pick really if you can pick most seasons that were semi decent, if you pick five to ten plays, you can put most teams that were in the top twenty five you can put them in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and, and yeah.
0: And you also look at the Alabama game this year, everybody points to tank. Go watch to those interceptions. Literally, Bovo is calling the safest pass in the playbook. And TJ Finley is creating new ways to throw an interception. And you can't just run the ball for the last 12 minutes of the game when your offensive line's not good. Like, they had to throw the ball, but they weren't throwing risky things. They were throwing, like, what you throw on 7-on-7 seven seven when your guy's throwing an interception, you throw this as the next pass to, like, get him going again. You know, get him feeling to open good. receivers. Yeah. The guys are wide open. The receivers did their job. And he's sailing it 15 yards over their head. And the Alabama dude is jumping. I mean, he jumps so high, he looks like he's at the freaking trampoline park in Auburn. Like, how does a human get that high? You know, like, it was not easy intercept. It was so overthrown that the guy 15 yards behind him had to make the most athletic play I've ever seen in that stadium to make the grab. I mean, literally inventing new ways to throw an interception. And that's not that's not the coach. That the backup quarterback is just absolutely choking the game away. So I think that the how bad Brian Harson is for the people that are not excited today has been way overblown. We are not saying he's the greatest coach, but he is he's not a program tanker. Then that story that story came out about Arkansas State. Their old athletic d- director literally came out and said this is all 100% false. No one interviewed me for this. This is a fake story. And then there's the thing that all the Boise you know fans are saying, "Oh, Brian, you know, he was a jerk. We were trying to get rid of him anyway." Did, were they really or Or are they butthurt that he left and they had a bad season? Because, you know, fans tend to change how they look at things later in time. So, all I'm saying is, I'm not saying that this is the greatest coach of all time and that he's the next Pat Dye at Auburn, but don't act like he's Doug Barfield. I mean, come on now. Don't act like he's taken a storied program and just putting it through the mud. If anything, he got put through the mud.
1: Yeah, and I think that this is something that I can't. I can't remember. I can't remember if I said this on on the last podcast or not. But my concern with retaining Brian Harsin is, can he overcome this? And that's. I think that's the biggest question. And if and if he can't. We're going to look back on today and say we should have fired him because he couldn't, he couldn't overcome. And he might go somewhere else and become a great coach. But if he can't overcome what was going on now, then keeping him was a huge mistake. Now, if he can overcome it and he can get back to where he needs to be, you're going to look, it's like I said, you're going to look back on this day and say it was a great day for Auburn Sports. I, I, I don't know if he's going to come back from it. Honestly, if you had asked me, a couple days ago and really yesterday or even earlier today, like I would say no, he probably can't come back from it. And I still am not convinced that he can. I'm gonna have to be I'm gonna have to be proven wrong that he can come back from it. Because it's not an easy thing to come back from. And I don't think it'll be indicative on him as a person or a coach if he can't really bring Auburn's program back to where it needs to be despite all of this, because there's so much going on and so many forces working against him. But I think that you've seen I think this is kind of seen this kind of situation has revealed the sources and the, the people and the forces working against him. But it's also revealed the people in his corner that are pushing him forward. And so we're going to find out who's stronger. And I think that that'll be a really important thing to see for the future. But as of right now, I'm kind of really at the same place I was last year where I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm encouraged by some things, but at the end of the day, I got to see some results. But the encouragement is there. And so now we're going to sit and wait. He's going to hire a new offensive coordinator. It, it, I mean, he, he, might, he might just promote from the inside at this point. I wouldn't be super, super surprised at that. But at the end of the day, he's got a vacant offensive coordinator position, and he has an unproven defensive coordinator. He's going to have spring ball rolling around, and he's going to have a lot to prove, and we're going to see what he can do. But I think the biggest thing for Brian Harson in the next two weeks is ride this wave, ride the momentum of the people in his corner, and he needs to do everything he can to make his perception through the roof and kind of make right all the wrongs that have been done this past week.
0: There are three things that Brian Harson needs to do before spring practice, and two of them I think are vital to his success, and I, I really don't know that he can succeed without two, and one that I think is – moderately important for his success, okay? The two that are vital for his success, he has to retain Zach Etheridge. Has and to do Cadillac it.
1: Williams, both of them.
0: Yes, but the rumors about Cadillac are not as strong. I mean, the, I think that's there's true. an yeah. offer in hand about Zach Etheridge. I don't see Cadillac leaving. There's not like a job offer that's been publicized. I agree. Yeah. He must keep Zach Etheridge. I think, and this is just my opinion, he needs to promote Trevon Reed. Now, that was not one of my two, but that needs to happen. It needs to happen. He needs to improve his recruiting, and Trevon proved that he was one of the best guys on the, in the support staff or anywhere at recruiting. He needs that kind of energy. Finally, he has to connect with the Auburn people. He He's got to do a better job of that. In, in the city of Auburn, and with boosters in the state of Alabama. He has got to connect on a personal level or this is going to become a recurring theme. Finally, I think he needs, needs but doesn't have to bring in an outsider for the offensive coordinator position. That's just my personal opinion. I don't think Keesaw is ready. I think he's the only one that's looking at it. I think he needs another offensive coordinator.
1: I agree. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with the first two. Uh, I think Zach Etheridge is the most important. I, I think that he is the most important thing that we have to do. I, I think that Trevon Reed is one of the best recruiters. I think that he's a fantastic recruiter. We need to do everything we can to keep him in Auburn. And having the duo of Trevon Reed and Zach Etheridge, I think we can land. Really, mo- mostly any recruit in the country. Those guys are elite recruiters. And you look at our 2023 targets at DB, and you could they're, they're going to have a chance to showcase that. But the offensive coordinator thing is a tricky one because I think Keesaw is a really good coach. Like, I think that when he came in as the receivers, I think that our receivers got exponentially better under Keesaw than they were under Cornelius Williams. But I do agree with you. I don't know if he's ready. And I don't think, I, from what I've heard, I don't think that Keesaw is really looking for an OC job right now. So that also makes me kind of concerned that, He's not like we reached on an, a quarterback coach in the NFL in Seattle to bring in before we promoted Keesaw or before Keesaw was physically in the job of being promoted. So I think that there is obviously either Keesaw doesn't want to be the OC or Harson doesn't have faith that he could be the guy right now. And so I, th- I, I think that it's kind of a thing. I agree with you. I think that it would help if you can bring in a proven recruiter and obviously, we'll talk about this more probably in our, in our next podcast because we're about to wrap up right now. But I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't object, and I said this when, before we hired Austin Davis, I wouldn't object to a Del McGee or a Damian Craig because I think that if we offered them an offensive coordinator position, position, they would both go for it because it's an upgrade positionally from where they are right now. And, so, and they're elite recruiters. So all of a sudden, if you have Del McGee or Damian Craig as your OC – and then you've got Zach Etheridge and uh, Trevon Reed on the defensive side. Like, that's – you know, Zach Etheridge and Damian Craig and Del McGee were all in the top 25 of the top recruiters in the country on that list at 24 Sports Road. Like, the, the schools that had multiple guys on that list, it was Texas A&M, it was Georgia, it was Alabama, it was Clemson, like, guys that, you know, consistently get top five recruiting classes. So, I think that if you can bring that in, I think that you wouldn't really have to. I think that Harson wouldn't have to worry as much about the recruiting aspect of the 2023 class. And I think that he could focus more on results on the field. But the thing is, if you went, like I I said, that he has to win nine games, but if he wins eight games and has the number seven recruiting class, he's going to stay. So, if his recruiting class is elite, the results on the field can be a little lesser. But on the other hand, if he's got a 9 or a 10-win season and a number 7 recruiting class, then all of a sudden his momentum is flying. And then it's like, okay, let's look at what they're doing at Auburn. So I, I really think that I, – I personally believe that he needs to hire Damian Craig or Del McGee. That's my belief as as an outsider. If we promoted Keesaw, I wouldn't be disappointed, but I would be slightly disappointed because I really think that Craig – or McGee, or a proven guy that is an elite recruiter. Even if it might be a slight stretch to put him as an OC right now, I think the the recruiting would be more of a benefit than the potential X's and O's deficiencies that that guy might have.
0: Yeah, I agree. So it'll be exciting to see how he kind of goes from here because I think he can really use this situation to his advantage.
1: Totally agree. And I think that the way that Brian Harson plays his cards in the next two weeks are going to be vital to his success both this season and in uh and in the future. But I think that kind of wraps up uh this this quick little podcast. If you've followed the whole, you know, Brian Harson saga, we really appreciate it and hope that this kind of clears some things up with, you know, what really happened and kind of where we go from here. Um, but as always, we really appreciate the listen and you know, obviously if you have any questions or comments and you want some clarification on some things feel free to dm the page uh thank you guys again for listening and war eagle
0: where you go